Bill Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, the News Talk giant in North Alabama, the News Talk show for North Alabama is this one. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio, and like the dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. Hey, listen, the uh, President of the United States did take the microphone 20 minutes later than it planned. Uh, he is uh, currently delivering his remarks. I made some notes during the break of things that I was able to hear before we came back on the air. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, it's um, it's about what I expected. Um he 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 talked about the fact that uh, the fact he talks about uh, the fact that he was he was literally uh, focused on counterterrorism. That in 2009 he opposed the surge, which by the way the surge was often uh, considered to be very extremely successful. Just finished reading a book by uh, noted scholar, conservative scholar Victor Davis Hanson, who talks about the surge. Uh, must focus on today, he says. Well, today, sir, you have just created a uh, a national. Um, um, a national emergency. You just created uh, something that has a, a deep threat to our national security. And uh, he, he, he says, it is important that you recognize that we have over-the-horizon capability, which is basically, uh, by the way, that's Millspeak for saying that we have the ability now to fly from far, far, far away to get there and do what we need to do. Far, far, far away means that, uh, and right now, according to General Jack Keane, who would know better than many, General Keene has said that over-the-horizon capability for us right now is roughly an eight-hour flight. So if you need some type of close air support, if you need to put uh, troops on the ground, if you need to get there in, in good time, eight hours is your time hack. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you're calling in for CAS, close air support, uh, when, you, when you need a Spectre gunship on station to provide overhead cover, when you, when you need those things uh, in your uh, immediate uh, moment on the battlefield, eight hours, eight hours? That's a full day, and, and that's not going to do you much good. That's not including, by the way, the scramble time. So, so once you make the call, get the approval, it goes through whatever levels of military bureaucracy they have to go through. It gets approved by whoever, and then they scramble whoever. Y- you can go ahead and add whatever time frame on to that eight-hour flight. He says he wants to focus on today, though, focus on today. And then, of course, he did blame Trump. He inherited this from the previous administration. A previous administration had allowed the Taliban to resurge into their, their strongest capability since 2001, he said. Show me the evidence of that because it's not true. He, he blamed Trump for having set a May 1st deadline. If you recall, though, let's be real, that President Trump had set a deadline of May 1st as his goal to have U.S. troops out of the country. But he also said that it was all conditions-based. And that it would not be an abrupt pullout. It would depend upon negotiations. It would depend upon uh, boots on the ground. It would depend upon the intelligence. So a conditions-based withdrawal is certainly different from a ripping the Band-Aid off using the calendar to pick your withdrawal. When you use the calendar to pick your withdrawal, like I said earlier, all the bad guys have to do is just watch the calendar and count the days, and they know when it's safe to move. He says there was no agreement with the Taliban. Well, maybe, maybe, and here's something that I could lay some fault to the Trump administration. I'll be fair on this. Negotiating with the Taliban was always going to be a farce. Negotiating with people who are murderers and thugs, who are complicit in setting up, uh, uh, helping set up 9-11's uh, tragedies, the, the same people who murdered and raped their way across the country, the same people who used to use soccer stadiums as um, places for public beheadings, the same places 
who burned schools because they dared to educate children, the same place, the same people who, who did all those things, why would we imagine that suddenly we can negotiate with them? So I, I don't care which administration it is. Uh, the reality is they should have been squashed like bugs and treated as such. But no, uh, it was important they negotiate with him. And he didn't have the right kind of agreement, he said. The right kind of agreement, President Biden says. But I'll tell you, the only thing he said so far that I've heard, and he's saying more, I can't listen to it because I'm on the air with you, is that he stands by his decision. Okay, that's not quite the buck stops here, but it is saying I wouldn't do it differently. He says there's never a good time to withdraw. Well, yes, there is. The good time to withdraw is when you have set the stage for withdrawal. Withdrawal will you run pell-mell, run away, run away. When you run pell-mell like that from the battlefield is never the same as when you have an organized retrograde operation. This was not an organized retrograde operation. This was literally pulling people out and just running for the hills. He says he planned for every contingency, although he admits, in all honesty, he says, it did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. You think? And then he went on to blame the Afghan government. The Afghan government uh, had its problems. The Afghan government was not everything that we would have loved for it to be. The Afghan government um, was not entirely feckless, but the Afghan government was still trying to figure its way. They were only on their, what, second or third elected president, and this was something that was new to them. Because before, they, before they, the, the democracy was not something that they were entirely accustomed to. I was there. Let me tell you about this. I was there in, in the early stages of the war. I was there when we had what was called the Loya Jirga. The Loya Jirga was when each province had its tribal leaders and official leaders gather together, and they set up a huge tent in a, in a, in a, in a park in, in Kunduz where I was. And I attended several times. And the loyal jerger was when they sat in there and they and, and you'd hear they argue and they would yell and they would you know it was it was sort of like chaos but it was organized chaos although now that I've been on the floor of the Alabama House of Representatives it looked a lot like that actually and they would you know yell back and forth and they would take ideas and then next thing you know they finally picked their representatives to go to the the grand loyal jerger in Kabul where they elected their first president who became Hamid Karzai. Um, th- this is this is new to them. And the backbone for what they were doing was the fact that they had the support of the United States. And the idea that they were, were going to take a culture that responds to, literally responds to strength and responds to um, uh, the, the, the strong man and responds to the fact that there are still warlords in those areas, some of whom were there when I was there. There are still warlords in the hinterlands that, that have more control than the government does and who are profiteers in some ways. It's kind of like the pirate haven. When you, when you go to Bamiyan, uh, you don't know who you're going to get. Is it going to be an Afghan government guy, or is it going to be the local warlord? And, and, you know, when I was in Kunduz, I had Governor Latif, and I also had General Daoud. And General Daoud and uh, General Miralam were the two generals in that area, and they had a whole lot more power than the governor did, I can just tell you. And so when you're dealing with all these things, and, and the stability piece was, don't worry, we got your back. Don't worry, we got your back. Don't worry, we got your back. Oh, look, we don't have your back anymore. And then they folded. Now, it's, 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 been, it's been harsh. Um, it's been difficult. 
But General, uh, Colonel, President Biden is now saying right now, by the way, he's sending in 6,000 troops. So it is ramped up. But it, it's funny because the talking points that are out there right now that I read to you before the top of the hour, they literally said, but they had these troops all prepositioned in the area. So that's why they were planning ahead. They knew this was going to happen. They had troops in the area. Well, you're sending 6,000. You're, you're staging them after the fact. And it's, by the way, it's not just getting them there. It's now what do you do with them while they're there? Because we gave away our bases. One of the greatest mistakes that I see that we made, in fact, I just heard, it was, it was pretty amazing because I just heard General Jack Keane say the same thing. Probably one of the pundits who I have the most respect for right now because he calls it like it is from the perspective of someone who's been there and done that. Four-star General Jack Keane just said a moment ago, this is why it was another reason to, to see it as a mistake to have given away Bagram Air Base. Bagram Air Base had a huge amount of infrastructure. It was also fenced in and walled in so that if we needed to put flights in and out for troops, for supplies, for staging of um, close air support aircraft, for getting, you know, even getting civilians in and out, we, we have lost the alternative staging site now. For us to try and go back in and take Bagram, keep in mind, it's now been in the hands of the Afghans and the Taliban for quite a while. We would have to retake Bagram and secure it and make sure that it is still usable before we could ever begin to make adequate use of it. So we're stuck with Kabul International Airport. And the story came out just a little while ago. Don't know if it's true or not. It's been reported by the AP. The U.S. has struck a deal with the Taliban to, quote, allow the evacuation to continue. You know what that is? Um, um, hey, uh, Taliban, would you, could you, I mean, could you just please let us get our people out? Would that be okay with you? That's where we are right now under this administration. Well, listen, folks, we're going to a short break. We're going to come back and continue to unpack this a little bit. This is news that is happening as we speak. I mean, the president is still on the, on the TV. I'm going to go ahead and watch, see if I can gather some more notes and break it down for you when we come back. But this is real-time news on Right Side Radio about things that impact you and will continue to impact you. Is our world a safer place right now with President Biden? I would dare say it's not. And Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and General Mark Milley need to resign. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM. We'll be right back with more after this. News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right. We're dealing today almost nonstop with the issues that are unfolding in real time before us in Afghanistan. Issues that so many of you in this listening audience have dealt with in a personal way. You may have deployed yourself or have family members who deployed or friends who deployed. Some of you uh, have uh, dealt with the, the harsh realities of having people come back different or come back not at all, and uh, and and we're 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 literally watching right now as uh, the chaos descends uh, upon the nation of Afghanistan, and especially in the videos that we're seeing at the Kabul International Airport. Um, 
you know, we may want to get him on the show if we can, but uh, Casey Wardinsky, who is running uh, for um, the uh, uh, position of congressman that's being vacated by Mo Brooks as he runs for U.S. Senate, just tweeted out uh, just in the last few minutes. He says, Biden says the Afghanistan, Afghanistan was never supposed to be about nation building. If only he had been a senior senator and a vice president over the majority of the last 20 years. How about that? Yes, he was. Uh, Mr. President, uh, you do own this. You do own this because you ratified it multiple, multiple times, multiple times. And he says, I wasn't willing to extend it any further. Well, you extended it up to now. You, you brought it to this point. And literally, you presided over the vacuum that occurred in Iraq, Mr. President. You and Lloyd Austin, who is now your Secretary of Defense, presided over the debacle that became the vacuum in Iraq that resulted in ISIS attempting to establish its caliphate. And we had to send troops back into harm's way again because of what you did there, and you didn't learn squat from it. And so I just said on Twitter a moment ago, I put it out there in print. I thought, you know what? I said it on the air, but now I'm going to say it in print. It is time for Secretary Austin and General Milley to offer their resignations. I, if they may not be accepted, but you know what? They need to go ahead and make the offer. Because this was not just a little thing. This, this is not just a, wow, that was a bad day. No, this is a culmination of 20 years. And the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff are the ones who lead and preside over the greatest military in the face of the earth. And if they're going to lead in this capacity and squander the victories earned harshly, earned harshly by our U.S. service members, squander them in such a public and, and demonstrable way, then what faith do those members of the military now have in their leadership? So I would suggest that it's time for them to retire. It's time for them to go to the House General Austin, Secretary of Defense Austin, you were in retirement and you got pulled back out. In fact, you had to get a waiver to be able to take that position because you hadn't been out long enough. We do have a revolving door statute that usually prevents generals from walking back into civilian capacity like that. But there you are. You got it. And you're presiding over the second time, the second time in your career, sir, you're presiding over the fact that basically terrorists have been given an upper hand by decisions that you helped make. And General Milley, for all your decorated service, and I have a great deal of respect for both his conventional and unconventional service. And if you look at his uniform, a quick look at his uniform says, man, that, that guy's done some things in his lifetime. I get it. But he has now presided over some very controversial issues of late, like critical race theory being touted as being okay and yada yada. And now he presides over this. Well, sir, you've earned four stars and you've had a long and decorated career. It's a heck of a thing, but it's time for you to end it. So General Milley and Secretary Austin, just one guy down here in Alabama with a little old talk show covering across the northern part of our state with a huge military community, I think it's time for you to retire. And, and that's, that's hard for me to say. I don't know that I've ever done something like this where I've literally said, please, just leave. But it's time. Because leadership has to be trusted and, 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 and truthfully, I remember somebody telling me once as a young officer, as a young officer that in, in most armies in the world, if a soldier is told to do something, he just does it because he or she fears reprisal. But in the United States Army, they oftentimes have to be told why. Because we are a nation that allows the respect of decision-making but also has to have the trust of its leadership. And in this case, I would say, 
the trust of the leadership is at an all-time low. Well, listen, folks, uh, so much more to unpack on this. We will open the phones up in a few minutes. We're going to go to a break, so don't bother calling in yet. If you call in, it's going to be after the break. But it's going to be 866-494-9866. If you want to talk about Afghanistan, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You may differ with me. You may say we should have gotten out 10 years ago. You may say we never should have gone in the first place. Or you may say, like me, we should have had an enduring base that we maintained a presence in. But I'd be glad to hear what you have to say, 866-494-9866. What do you think about what's unfolding in Afghanistan? Meanwhile, I'll just be honest, if we can get hold of Casey Wardinsky, I'm going to go ahead and ask him to come on and talk about this from the military perspective of someone who worked in the Pentagon and, and who has um, seen upper-level decision-making at both the military and the civilian side of the military. Um, so, Casey Wardinsky, if you and your team are listening, we're going to try and reach out to you here in a few minutes. But this is a big, big, hairy deal. Because it doesn't just impact Afghanistan. Well, you know, we've been there 20 years. It was really time to leave. It was really time. It was really time to stop combat operations. Yes, it was. It was not time to vacate the entire theater. It was not time to leave a vacuum that will now be filled by the same people who helped collaborate and generate um, 9-11 that killed thousands, thousands of uh, U.S. citizens. It was, it was not time to just literally... Um, generate hostility in the region and put ourselves in a position where our own allies are now expressing uh, distress as to whether or not they can rely upon the United Nations or the United States. And, and I'll be honest with you, if I were the leadership of Ukraine or the leadership of Taiwan, I'd be scared to death right now, wondering if the Biden administration will be there for me if Russia advances even further into Ukraine or China decides it's time to go back and forcibly retake Taiwan. That's foreign policy, y'all. And this is bigger than just whether or not Biden made a mistake. This is a huge, hairy deal for foreign policy with ramifications that extend well beyond Afghanistan. That's a perspective that is not just shared by me, but shared by many. All right, folks. Phil Williams, 92.5 FM, 770 AM, WVNN, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio on WVNN, 2 to 5 p.m. every Monday through Friday, where we like to say we are solid conservative and just plain right. We have now spent the better part of the last hour and a half focusing on the debacle unfolding before us in Afghanistan. As someone who has served there, I will just tell you it's distressing. But on the one hand, while it is distressing to watch, and I think that uh, there, are, there are certain members of our leadership, not the least of which is General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin that need to resign at this point. I think it's also uh, fair to say that those of you who served, those of you who had family members who served, uh, that you need to understand that you are not the problem, that you are not the problem, that your honor is intact. It was the troops that won the war. It was the suits that lost the peace. All right. So, so just please understand, if you are stressing today over whether or not you wasted your time in deployment, you did not. You changed the lives of Afghans 
who had an opportunity for 20 years of breathing room, many of whom had their lives changed and a lot of whom are now living outside of Afghanistan, able to have better lives they never could have had before. And those who were still back in the country have assets they did not have before, like the fact that they now have internet capability and connectivity through cell phones that were not in place back at the time, electricity, education for their kids. The Taliban are going to try and retrograde all of that, but I will tell you this, now that the Afghan people have tasted the modern world and have seen the outside, the Taliban have got their hands full, and I hope that's true. Hey, we're going to go to the phones here, 866-494-9866, 866-494-9866. And let me just tell you, by the way, Casey Wardinsky is going to be with us at the top of the hour. Just got hold of uh, his campaign a moment ago. Uh, he is going to provide some color commentary for us on the Afghan issue. If you recall, he was President Trump's Assistant Secretary of the Army, a retired colonel now running for Congress. So we'll see what his perspective is uh, in the situation. But let me go to line three first. I'll take Lee from Huntsville. Lee from Huntsville, Phil Williams here on right side. What you got about Afghanistan? Good afternoon. Um, I don't want to say I consider myself a ruffian. First time I've ever Thank you that. very much. Um, right side ruffian. There you go. <laughs> Um, here's my thinking on Afghanistan. What we're doing to damage our reputation to the world cannot be understated because um, we got ourselves mired down with, I, I don't know why we didn't learn from the Russians' experience with the Afghanis, but um, I'm not sure that that country can ever be wrangled. It's like cats, you know? It's like there's there's no real allegiance to Afghanistan versus like they're more tribal, right? So it's more difficult to get an overall allegiance with between all these groups and it's much easier to conquer individually. So my, but my thinking is when the world watches us be chased out of this country by a bunch of ragtag terrorists, how can we be viewed as a superpower when we allow something like this to happen? And number no. two, when we, you're talking about Taiwan and you're talking about some of our other allies watching this. Taiwan makes eighty what eighty percent of the semiconductor chips in the world. Yeah. yeah. What's going to happen? China knows that we're weak because he looks at our leadership, and our leadership is an Alzheimer's-ridden old man and a woman who laughs like a hyena whenever she's asked a difficult question. What these two people don't equate strength, which is all like the Taliban and Russia and China. They understand strength, and for as much as you know, uh, Trump was his own worst enemy and would bloviate, even though I, I voted for him, I'd vote for him a hundred times. But I'm, he, they, they knew they couldn't do this with him. There's well, the Lee, main me, difference. They let let me jump in there and, and say uh, your, your points are, are so well put. I got to ask you, 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 you sound like mm -hmm. you studied geopolitics or maybe you had some experience in the military yourself. What, is you, do you have a background in this or is this just your, your sort of well-educated perspective? I, I don't. I just read a lot, okay. and I listen to a lot, and I get news from everywhere, not just one place or another. I read, you know, aggregate sites, and I just read a lot, and history is an interest of mine. But I'm just, I'm very concerned that, you know, we've so damaged ourselves in the eyes of the world that we're not going to be able, you know, how, how can we be viewed, how, why would China view us as their equal? Well, I mean, you you're look right. at how China's been dealing with our, our, our you know, important people that we sent to have discussions with them like Blinken and others you know they treat us like we're 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 weak and i'm afraid well, that's what and, we appear and, now. and lee lee i want to thank you for the call hey and thank you by the way for being a right side ruffian thank you for that very much but uh lee from huntsville there she makes a great point uh we have the issue of the fact that our allies 
have to trust us. And our allies, by the way, are expressing deep concern with the manner in which this has been handled. If, if you, it, they weren't, we weren't the only ones who had an embassy there. France is now trying to evacuate its own. Britain is trying to evacuate its own. And in both countries, our staunch allies in the Western world are saying, what in God's name is happening? And they are expressing concern in, in the manner in which this was conducted. And Lee is also right about how the other foreign powers that are not our friends and allies, like China, a near-peer adversary, how are they viewing us right now? And we are being viewed from a position of weakness. And that is the wrong way to walk into the stadium and play the game, let me just tell you. We got another call on the line. If you want to call in, by the way, 866-494-9866. 866-494-9866. Just call in and tell us what you think about Afghanistan, what's going on in the world right now. We got Charlie from Falkville on line four. Charlie from Falkville, Phil Williams here on right side. Uh, what's on your mind? Uh, we got to find some way to get rid of uh, Austin and Millie. They are disgraced as leaders. Uh, anybody, anybody with a sixth grade education knows that the Taliban, uh, you're going to wait to the winter time before you start moving troops out of there because they don't fight in the winter and not right now. And, uh, Biden is, he is no leader at all. And, uh, we need to get leadership in there. We should have moved some of our, uh, weapons out of there and stabilized the place more before we left. And um, they're going to start beheading the Afghan people, and that's, that blood's on Biden's hands. Well, hey, hey, great point, and uh, thanks for the call, man. I really appreciate you so much uh, uh, being in, in tune with the audience, and, and, um, and you're absolutely right. And what we're seeing right now, by the way, is there's reports already out that the beheadings have already begun. There are reports already out that the Taliban is going door-to-door with their list of people they want to purge who they believe are too closely tied to either the outgoing uh, uh, government or to the United States. And, uh, and retribution is already being uh, feared. That's why you're seeing the panic on the airstrip, folks. You're not seeing the panic because people want to go to a place where they can get Taco Bell. You're not seeing the panic because they want to get somewhere where the Internet uh, is at 5G capability. You're seeing the panic because they want to live. And you're seeing the panic because they believe that the Taliban are going to come in and create a, a, an atmosphere of retribution, which was their style in the past. Hey, if you want to call in and talk about it, we got some time here. We're going to have Casey Wardinsky at the top of the hour to call in as a former Assistant Secretary of the Army for Reserve and Manpower Affairs, who's going to give us his perspective on what's happening. Now he's running for Congress, so I think it's fitting to hear what he thinks. But if you want to call in and tell us what you think, your opinion is welcome here, 866-494-9866. I hope there's a lot of you out there like Lee who are willing to say you're a right-side ruffian and you're going to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said, and whenever possible you're going to say not on my watch. Uh, Listen, Biden comments uh, a minute ago, they do not match up with what we're seeing on the ground. All right, so uh, there were some very uh, strong factual errors uh, in his presentation, and those factual errors um, uh, were, 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 were calculated. Uh, it was an attempt at revisionism. Uh, keep in mind, uh, keep in mind that President Biden is someone who has been in D.C. forever. All right, the man is almost 80 years old right now. He was a senator when we had the fall of Saigon. All right, he was the vice president when we yanked our troops out of Iraq, leaving a vacuum that was then filled by ISIS, who then took over a third of the country of Iraq and pushed their way into Syria. He was now the president presiding over the greatest debacle in recent memory that makes the fall of Saigon look like you know, a pittance by comparison. 
and, and has wasted 20 years of, of good uh, service by any number of service members. And, and so this, this same individual who's claiming, I, could just, I, just had, I had to stay focused. I had to bring us to a place where we're going to focus on uh, 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 counterinsurgency and, and, or counterterrorism. And what, counterterrorism, you can focus on counterterrorism in certain aspects of the Middle East. And guess what? If part of your counterterrorism policy deals with Iran, you were on the border with Iran. We had a base there. Listen, we, we, we got people calling in, 866-494-9866. That's 866-494-9866. Uh, we're, I'm going to open the phone lines up a little bit more, uh, give you an opportunity for, uh, for folks to uh, call in and give us their opinion on Afghanistan. I think I see another one coming. Yep, line one's got someone. Bob's calling in uh, from Killing, I believe. Uh, Bob, uh, about Afghanistan, Phil Williams here on Right Side. Thanks for calling in. Um, I think that we should be making the comparison to Benghazi, not Vietnam. That's the one that will hurt the Clintons and the Obamas the most. And that's a current situation more with those people in the politics. And the other thing is, what makes us think that China doesn't have something to do with this? Because I'm not mistaken, when they were looking for resources in Afghanistan, they had one of the largest deposits of rare earth metals and now, if China's going to go in there, they're going to have access to that. Hey, hey great call, Bob, and you make a great point. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks for being a right-side ruffian and listening to the show. So, listen, Bob has got a great point. China, by the way, China did come out just over the weekend, and they've already said that they intend to recognize the new uh, uh, Taliban government, which is calling itself the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. And so China is already making uh, uh, overtures, uh, to the Taliban uh, and are making promises, I'm sure, behind the scenes. And and that the caller was right a moment ago. Uh, there were some major, major, major findings. It was thought that it was going to be something that might actually turn the economic tide for Afghanistan as a nation. Because I will say this, Afghanistan is extremely limited in natural resources. It's a landlocked country. There are no natural ports. You have roughly uh, half to, to two-thirds of the nation that is inhospitable <laughs> to human life in many ways. I mean, you, you've got vast deserts. You've got, you've got mountain ranges that are unbelievable. The Hindu Kush, you know what the Hindu Kush is? The Hindu Kush mountains means blood of the Hindus because the Hindu Kush mountains were so deadly that it, it, it literally uh, killed the uh, advancing uh, Hindu armies uh, back in the day. Uh, so that's the nation of Afghanistan. Their natural resources are limited, and there has been a huge discovery of rare earth minerals. The idea they might be able to mine that could change things. But right now, China is looking at Afghanistan. We got Johnny on line two. Johnny from Moulton. Uh, Phil Williams here on Right Side Radio. Thanks for calling in. What you got, Johnny? Yeah, I was going, I haven't heard if you spoke about uh, the president from uh, Afghanistan leaving. I heard that he left with a helicopter full of cash. I just wondered maybe you speak on it. I kind of feel like maybe he sold out Afghanistan or something. Yeah, Johnny. Hey, thanks for the call. I have not heard about the, the, the I've not heard about the suitcase full of cash. I'm not going to be surprised. Uh, but uh, but yes, the uh, president uh, Ashraf Ghani uh, did leave the country. I was told by someone who knows him uh, personally uh, that he he left with only two aides, uh, and they went with him. One personal secretary and an aide uh, went with him. They left by helicopter and they fled north to Tajikistan, is what I was told. Uh, I'm also uh, told though that two of the uh, 
The generals, uh, one of whom had been the uh, Secretary of Defense uh, for Afghanistan, had previously been a major warlord in the north in Mazari Sharif named Dostum, that Dostum uh, and another warlord named Atta, who people thought were going to set up a resistance against the Taliban, um, literally went to Mazari Sharif and then vacated and went north to Uzbekistan. Yeah, all right, folks, we're up against a break right now. We're going to go ahead and take that break. It's Phil Williams here, News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. We are spending our time on this amazing debacle called Afghanistan, and I'm watching a State Department official who needs a haircut uh, give a statement right now to the press. Um, interesting times in which we live. We'll be right back. Coming at the top of the hour, by the way, you'll hear Casey Wardinsky, who's running for Congress, a former Undersecretary of the Army, or Assistant Secretary of the Army, giving us his perspective. We'll be right back after this. News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, the News Talk powerhouse in North Alabama. And here we are on the biggest show across the northern part of our state every Monday through Friday, 2 to 5 p.m., Right Side Radio. I'm your host, Phil Williams, solid conservative and just plain right. Got a whole audience full of folks out there that we love called Right Side Ruffians, people who are looking around and saying, you know what, I see that. I see it for what it is, and I'll call it out when I see it. Not on my watch, not going to let it happen. And, and, and folks, I got to tell you. If, by the way, if you want to call in, I'll go ahead and keep the phone lines open to the top of the hour. Eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. How do you feel about the Afghanistan situation going on before our very eyes? And I got to tell you, I am watching something happen right now on TV that boggles my mind. I've spent a lot of time not only being trained in leadership, but studying leadership. Leadership is a passion with me. I, I read books on it. I, I taught classes on it. I, I have uh, literally sat at the feet of people just to hear what they had to say about leadership. If I see a book titled Leadership at the, at the bookstore, I grab it. I want to see who's who written it and what they, what they have to say. I'm not seeing leadership, and right now what I just saw... Uh, they just shut the door on Air Force One, or Air Force Two, excuse me, Marine One. It's Marine One, the helicopter. The president is now headed back to Camp David. Jim Psaki is still on vacation. And Afghanistan is in complete turmoil. While they're sending more troops over. I'm not sure they understand optics at this White House. I'm not sure they understand what it means to see a leader go on vacation at a time when the nation is literally struggling to understand what has just happened in a war zone where we have spent blood and treasure for 20 years. And the president literally flew in, apparently, to do a press conference. And I just watched Marines carrying his bags for him back out to Marine One while he got on and he's flying back. Listen, um, it's a, it's, a, it's a strange world in which we're living right now where leadership considers that to be leadership. The buck stops with me. But by the way, folks, I've got to head back to my vacation. Now, now, now I, I get it. I understand that while he's there, that he has, he has full capabilities to stay in touch. He's got the ability to, uh, to, to get real-time updates. He's got, he's got a situation room that he can work in right there at Camp David. Sure. Optics mean everything in the eyes of the world, and for the president to have just swooped in to do a press conference from the White House so he can swoop right back, 
is very telling about who we have as a leader right now. I've got some calls coming in. Before I run out of time, let me go to them. I've got uh, uh, Copper. I think you're still typing. If I can get you, though, Brad from Huntsville is on line four. Can I get Brad from Huntsville? Hey, Brad, Phil Williams here on Right Side Radio. What you got? Hey, Phil, can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just mind boggled at what I'm witnessing here. I'm, I'm a, I'm a veteran and uh, got 30 years in law enforcement. I used to do contract work in, uh, in diplomatic security. Um, well, what's happening? I, I spent a lot of time working with the international community and the United Nations and everything. And this guy has literally abandoned, without warning, every single ally we have in, in the world. I mean this. These guys are, they have not been allowed to evacuate their own embassies. There's no telling how many people he just killed. I mean, this is like, uh, this is going to be worse than 9-11 as far as the death toll, I think, in my opinion. These guys are brutal, and they, they just ran roughshod over everybody in front of the entire world, and Joe Biden let them do it. Yeah, hey, Brad. I can't uh, think great, that that's not point. intentional. I, I don't know how anybody could not know that was going to happen. Well, and, and, and it's, it's, it's one of these weird deals where, Brad, your point is well taken, man. Hey, and thanks for your service, by the way, Brad. Um, appreciate well, what you my do. Pleasure. Well, it, it's our pleasure to have you. Uh, but, uh, but, but you're right, man. You're absolutely right. And in this case, we've got, you know, there's only three choices here. Either, either Biden was complicit or Biden was feckless or both. And uh, I don't know how to take that, but that's, that's where we are. Um, Listen for the thanks for the call, man. We're we're rubbing it's a hard break. I know that we had uh, Bill online uh, wanting to hold, but I'm going to have Casey Wardinsky at the top of the hour. So, Bill, if you would like to call back after a while, we certainly would appreciate you doing so. Uh, Copper, you can go ahead and let him know that we would love Bill on line five to call back after we've had a chance to talk to Casey Wardinsky. Folks, listen. News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM. Phil Williams hosting Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right. Got an audience full of people, like you just heard from a moment ago, right side ruffians who get out there and serve and do and are willing to go to the hard places and call it out when we see it and say, not on my watch. All right, we'll be right back after this.